You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from the triune God. About five years ago, I picked up the phone and called my friend Sarah. It was one of those calls where the phone felt like it weighed a ton. This was going to be a painful conversation. I was calling Sarah to tell her that though though it had ended the day prior, I had relapsed and briefly returned to drinking after years of sobriety. It was so hard to tell her. Sarah was one of my mentors, and I was terrified of disappointing her. I was in the middle of seminary and was in discernment to become a priest. I had come to the church and seminary a few years after I had first gotten sober, so no one knew me during the years of my struggle with drugs and alcohol, and I liked it that way. By picking up that phone and revealing my relapse, I knew I would be inviting my community to know a side of me I tried so hard to keep in the past. In those early days of seminary, I tried hard to hold on to that, you know, a neat and tidy narrative for my life. You know, the old story of once I was lost and now I'm found. But my relapse messed with that story. It brought me to my knees, and I knew that if I wanted to survive, I couldn't cling to that old story. I had to listen for a new story, a story that had been true all along. So I picked up the phone, and I called Sarah, and I told her what happened, and she responded, Honey, do you want to be made well? It's the same question that Jesus asked the man lying by the pool at Bethesda who had been sick for 38 years. Do you want to be made well? This man had gathered at the pool for years with throngs of Jerusalem's chronically and permanently ill. The pool at Bethesda, it had become like an outdoor nursing home where people would languish for years. The belief of many was that there was this angel that would descend from time to time and stir the waters, and whoever first touched the water would be healed. I, you know, I imagine this was just one of the many ways that they made sense of why occasionally someone else would be healed, but they would remain unchanged. But I know what that's like. I know what it's like to feel like everybody else is being healed that others have somehow discovered the magic elixir of happiness, that if I can just find the right supplements, the right diet, if I exercise enough, or if I get up early enough every morning to make time for devotion and prayer, that one day the right combination will cause God and my brain to like sync up and agree that now is the time for 
Reagan to be zapped into perfect health and happiness. Trying to find that perfect combination to unlock the divine whim feels awful and it easily turns into obsession. Once I feel like I found the right combination, I latch onto it and repeat it over and over, hoping that today will be the day when the formula triggers and the heavens open. Like the man at the pool, I get caught up in that obsession and days become weeks and weeks become months and all of a sudden I've lost a huge chunk of my life in the pursuit of that elusive goal. Following this path is what led me to relapse. I had latched onto the ambition of one day being the perfect priest, and I had decided that this goal required two things. I had to work insanely hard, and I had to be a really fun, amusing person. So I tried to find that perfect formula. I took on the hardest units in the hospital where I was a chaplain. I took on all these extra projects and on-call shifts until I was like regularly working like 80 hours a week. And then when I wasn't working, I looked for ways to demonstrate to people that I was somebody who knew how to have a good time. And eventually, worn out in my pursuit of that perfect combination, I decided that in order to be fun, I absolutely had to drink, that there was no way for me to be fun unless I drank. And so I did. Tragically, this is where the path of miraculous healing always takes us. It takes us into the obsessive pursuit of a reality totally divorced from our present life and leads us away from the God who loves us now, right here, just the way we are. Which is why Jesus doesn't ask the man to spend a second longer in the obsessive rut that he has been in for 38 years. The healing Jesus offers isn't rooted in the belief that perhaps one day God will smile upon us and with the stroke of a magic uh, wand will whisk away all our problems. No, the healing Jesus offers comes from the God whose love is always available and is already flowing through all our lives. It's not the healing bestowed on some today why others have to wait. It's healing that is already wrapped around each of us, waiting to be felt and seen. God doesn't ask us to wait for healing. God waits for us. God, who is always by our side, waits until we're able to hear her voice Do you want to be made well? God waits because the healing she offers comes at a price. It's not the warm and fuzzy new agey healing where you walk around glowing on a pink cloud. It's healing where you walk away limping. Healed by the God of Israel, we walk away imperfectly, but we're walking. And we're walking with an openness to the reality that our life was never meant to look like the image we have in our head. But that hurts. It hurts to surrender our plans for our lives because, let's be honest, they usually look pretty fabulous. Yet this is the stuff we have to die to. If we're, if we're to be raised up into the healing love of Jesus 
We have to die to our ambition and ego of being the hardest worker or the most entertaining or the most intelligent or the most anything. We have to die to the ideal narrative we have for our lives. We have to die to this narrative if we wish to see the eternal, unending, and deeply satisfying life that God has in store for us. You know, when I was calling my friend Sarah, one of the things I was wrestling with was whether or not I would move into a sober house. At the time of my relapse, I was living in a really isolated place where it was hard to have community. So it was suggested that I move into a sober house. However, I had never lived in that kind of you know, institutional setting. I had never been to jail or in a long-term rehab or anything like that. So I was nervous about the rules and the, and the other residents. But in reality, I was most anxious about the stigma. I was in seminary, and it was going to be hard to hide my situation when I had to excuse myself for, from events to make curfew. I was nervous about how this would change the narrative of my life. How do I explain being in seminary and living in a halfway house? But then I called Sarah, and she asked the question, Honey, do you want to be made well? In the twinkling of an eye, it all fell into place. I was going to have to die to that narrative of once I was lost, but now I'm found. God was offering me a new narrative, one she has always offered and will always offer to all of us. The holy narrative of, I am lost, right here, right now, and I am also found, right here, right now. I'll always be lost because I'll always have moments where I listen to that desire for another story for my life. But at the same time, I'll always be found because God will never stop looking for me. God will always find us, all of us. And God will always find a way to ask us once again, do you want to be made well? Amen.